Gerard. Hey, Tim. Do you hear me? Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. It's amazing when things work. Technology is great. It is. It's wonderful. So I am pleased to have my best friend, Tim Getz, join me today. Uh, those who have listened to before know that we will be discussing topics that fire me up. And this actually is something that fires Tim up. So that's why I had him on here. Uh, we think very much alike. I think that's safe to say. And our topic is the cost of education, healthcare, daycare, and its impact on family. And specifically, we'll talk about our families and the ability to get ahead or let's just say break even. So if you want to introduce yourself, Tim, and just give a little background. Uh, my name's Tim Getz. As Gerard said, we've known each other for a little bit. Just, Quite a while, just a touch. Back in college, met in college, so known each other ever since. Families are very close. Um, I'm uh, I'm just a simple, simple, simple blue collar man trying to trying to make it in the world. Why don't you tell them what you do for a living? Because I think it's pretty uh, relevant. Well, I'm a police officer. So today, I think, like you and I had talked about um, in kind of our history, we've known each other since 1989. And some of the things, and if everyone had listened to my podcast multiple times, knows that healthcare and education are things that I brought up probably four or five times in podcasts. Uh, we're going to add daycare to this. Uh, and the reason why I, I bring up these topics uh, is because for me, and I, and again, I'm speaking for you as well here. I think we grapple with how difficult things have things are and they don't need to be. And some of these things that I think have made made a huge impact in our life because of the amount of cost. And I still cannot understand how the wealthiest country in the world um, does not have better ways of addressing these things. And so I thought we'd start off with some of the you know personal experiences because we both have children and just kind of start with daycare and the amount of money that we have spent on daycare uh, when our kids, thankfully, they're old enough now that we don't necessarily have to worry about that. But just how much money we've spent on daycare because of because of uh, there are situations, you know, two working parents. Right. In, in both, uh, you know, both households. So do you want to talk a little bit about your experience? And Yeah, sure. We had two. You know, less than two years apart, our, our kids. So uh, we both, my wife and I both work. And I guess first I should say we're both fortunate enough that we could afford it. Um, right, which is, which is another actually. You know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I, you know, I'm worse off by any means. You know, we're fortunate enough we could actually afford it. We were both working, good jobs. And uh, obviously, you don't want to leave your children uh, in a place that you don't feel comfortable with. You want it, you know, the best that you can afford. So it's just that it's amazing uh, how much it it does cost. It was when both of my kids were in full-time daycare uh, that one year, it may have been two years, it was... Uh, we spent about twenty two, twenty four thousand dollars a year. 
Yeah. Uh, for both of them when they were in daycare. Yeah. How old and how old were they at that point? Well, they were from like infant to year and a half. Right. Yeah, you which know, is up, typically up to the one, most expensive up to part. One three, right, which is very expensive. Yeah. And like I said, you know, obviously, yeah. you want a good place. You want good people taking care Absolutely. of your kids. And this place was. And uh, we just weren't fortunate enough to – we have family here, but, you know, you can't always rely. They have their own lives. And <clears throat> it was just, you know, we didn't have any other option. We didn't have family that could watch them uh, for the time – so that we needed them, you know, for the amount of time we needed them to be to be taken care of. So, yeah, and your schedules, your and 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 Karen's schedules are are different too, which made it a little bit more challenging for you. As right, as a you know, a work law enforcement works different hours. Obviously, she had business yeah. hours, but my hours could vary twenty four seven. So, made it a little difficult and. Like I said, we're fortunate we were able to, but it was it was on the cusp of uh, where it was just almost not worth it was not worth having Karen work almost to be able to stay home with the kids and save the money on paying for daycare. Well, and I I think so, but but it was not. I mean, we right. did enough job that it, it's still, but it was you know. Well, very expensive. I think, and I think you, you said this a couple of times. We were fortunate, as, as I was in my family, too, to pay for it. But I think what we're, we're again, we're talking about is the, those people who can't afford it or people that have to, you know, take, go to extreme measures because of it. And obviously, when you're, an, it costs more because there's more that you have to do, right? You have to, <coughs> once me. they get out of diapers, like every parent's dream is when, their child becomes potty trained because the cost significantly drops at day right. Right? because yep. less, because you know, there, there's less uh, to watch over and take care of. Yep. Um, and I had a similar experience. Of course, I have one more child because we just, you know, we like to keep things interesting. And uh, when I had all three kids and we had a nanny at one time um, and it was about $25,000 a year at that time. And, um, and I was also traveling too, which would made it made it a little bit uh, more challenging. Although you know, Sarah at the time had a pretty flexible. Fortunately right. for her, she's had a lot more flexibility in her job than I have, so that that helped too. Because you know, you times where you have to get there by a certain by a certain time, or the ways they charge you. And well, and I should say, Karen, go back. She is fortunate to have a place that is her her positions have been fairly flexible as well, which also helped. Because even if you have a job, if it's not flexible, you know, if it's like like yeah. my job's not, you know, I have to be there at a certain time and you can't leave for a certain, that's just the nature of the business, then it becomes even more complicated. And I think, I think again, when we're bringing up these, these points, I think there's a couple things that, that need to be stressed in this is that first of all, uh, you need the flexibility in your job because of that constraint and we're talking about majority of Americans and how they, you know, how they uh, can make it to make it work. And a lot of people in this country are working three jobs. 
So, I mean, you're really in a difficult situation because daycare doesn't even come, doesn't even, it's some places now are starting to add that because they understand it, but there's a lot of waiting lists and things like that. So it's still, it doesn't even come, it's not even something that organizations even think about. And that's the sad thing about it. It's becoming more popular, but it, it should have been one of the first things that organizations think about. Because you're talking about productivity too. If you if you have people running out or have to take times off, I mean, I, I we had to take days off because our kids couldn't go into daycare too, which is the other thing we haven't even talked about yet. Because if you're if you're contagious, they don't want your child into daycare, right. so you you'd have to take the time yeah. off, right? Um, which is another issue because not everyone has time off to be able to do that. So I think that's another thing that uh, makes it difficult for a lot of people in this country because they don't have access to it nor do they have a plan B. Nope. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's difficult. You definitely want to definitely want to think about all this before you decide to have kids. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think that's probably, that was probably the most uh, surprising thing to me uh, because when you, you know, you, as you know, when you have kids, you're, you're not, thinking about all the things that are kind of come out of um, left field, so to speak. I thought uh, I was a little surprised at the, the amount of money it cost. I think it's even more interesting is how much the schools ask you for money. It's almost like you want to give them a check at the beginning of the year because they keep continue coming back to you. Right. For money, right. Right. Uh, and I think, I think that's another thing that kind of surprised me um, too. Um, but again, um, we chose to have kids, obviously, um, and we are in better situations, than the majority of people, I would say. But I think it's something that needs to be addressed because I think a lot of people are not in that situation. And you can never plan. You and I spent our lifetime planning. And as you know, that doesn't address everything that would come up. Nope. Right? You can, you um, can plan <laughs> best as you can. And then. The- yep. See how that goes. And we are planners. We we like to plan. We like to think things through. Um, I like to think that we are pretty thoughtful in, in that approach, and it doesn't guarantee anything, actually. Nope. Really so, I th- you know, I think that's that's really another thing that I wanted to bring up, because I think where you'll start seeing the differences, like maternity leave and paternity leave in other countries, in democratic socialist countries, most of Europe, um, that, that is, that's a no brainer to them. Right. And there's, there's women in this country who feel obligated to come back early from maternity leave because of the pressure of losing their job. And right. that's ridiculous. And that gets back into the daycare thing, because if you're going to go, if you're going to go back to work sooner than you expected, your daycare is going to start sooner than you expected because you're fearful of losing your job. And, you know, it's, it's so funny because we, we talk about how much we care about our family and our kids in this country. And yet we don't put things in place to help support that. I always, always think that's hilarious about that, how we, we portray ourselves as so uh, family oriented. You know, that's one of our values. Yet you could lose your job because you don't come back early from paternity leave. Right. And we don't even have paternity leave. I mean, just goes back to the whole, you know, well, you know, you chose to have kids and 
you know, as a woman that you're going to be the one to have the kid businesses shouldn't be, why should they be saddled with it? Because a woman feels, you know, decides they have kids and it's like, okay, that, you know, a hundred years ago. All right. I mean, it's kind of like you're saying you want women just shouldn't work again. And that would solve all the problems, which I know a lot of people, people feel that way, I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, but uh, it's not a hundred years ago. It's not 70 years ago. Right. Not the fifties even. It's so when uh, it was much easier to support a family on one job, one salary, that's just not the case anymore nope. for most people. So it's easy to say, well, I mean, it's just the women should stay home and it should just be that traditional family from a hundred years ago. And that would solve all those problems. Well, all right, you can't really, the way the economy, the way our economy has developed and been designed, it's difficult for just one person, the man, to support the family with just the one income. Hence, you know, the other person needs to work or with one job anyway. Yeah. So you can say you want it back. You should take it back to how it was, but that's not how it is now. Yeah, it's not realistic, right? And you said <clears throat> it, it's 2020. You know, it is 2020, and we still have this kind of traditional mindset, and that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, by the way, women are the largest percentage in the workforce now, right? Yeah. So uh, you you have to think you have to think that the you have to change with the times. The world is not the way it used to be. Um, the reality is that has changed. And the, you know, the fifties, which is always shown as the, the perfect white picket fence. Dad comes home at five. Everyone sits down and eats dinner, right? Dinner's ready when he gets right. Home. That world doesn't exist anymore. Right. And uh, you have to. Well, it probably it. didn't exist then either. We just well, that's the that's and, uh, yeah, that's the funny thing. That is look that's back the funny and thing. Yes. See all the positive things and overgeneralize, and it's like yep. obviously not everyone had a nine to five job, and let's leave yep. it to Beaver. It was just kind of shown how the maybe people wanted it to be. So, and I think it puts uh, it gets to one of the other things that that uh, you and I've talked about is it puts this pressure on people as they grow up to conform to a reality that doesn't even exist. So this is why so many people think that they should get married. It's almost, it's an accomplishment. Well, I got married and now I have kids. And, the, you know, I think the younger generations now are starting to change. Well, yeah, you just check the box. Okay, right. you, go to, check the box. you grow up, you finish school, whatever yep. that is. Then you get married, then you have kids. And you really need to think those through a little more than just going through by just thinking that's how it should be. Right. Blindly going through it because that's what yeah. everyone else is doing or that's what everyone else wants you to do. Right. And uh, I think I think we're a lot different than that from our, our kind of our thinking, um, which I kind of pride myself on. And the reason why we're friends is because that 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 is. That's it's all crap, basically. I mean, those kinds of things are not realistic anymore. And we've had discussions with my kids about having kids, and you know, actually, not one of them is interested in having kids. 
and we're like, that's fine. Which at their age, that's great. Yes. Uh, well, which, please keep that up. Right. Yeah. And it's and that's fine. You don't need to have kids because you think that's something you should have to do. I think my our parents' generation, uh, my parents are were a little older than yours. Uh, were kind of that's kind of what they were taught to do. And especially if you come back from a religious family, which my family was, and this is kind of what you do. And yep. I think that causes more problems because then you have people who are unhappy. They shouldn't have gotten married to begin with. Right. And they have kids, which just yep. just makes it even worse. Yep. And then you have misery and you create misery on misery. Uh, and I think I don't think that marriage is the end all be all. Not everyone should get married. Not everyone should have kids. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Right. Um, and that gets into this. I think this gets into that pressure of once you have kids then you have to. You have to take care of them. And, yeah, it's and, your responsibility. That's a huge, your, root problem. And so <clears throat> that gets into our whole daycare thing. I mean, a lot of that stuff could be avoided if people didn't think they needed to have kids. Yeah. Right? This whole, we have to procreate. That's what that's what you're meant to do. It's like, well. Or, or had kids before you're ready. Right. Or have kids before you're Here's ready. Be self. Try to establish yourself first. Right. I mean, which is another, which I think, and again, I think this is changing because I think the younger generations are are taking steps to avoid those things like you know women now are having children later in life um you know yep. because they're more established in the workforce than they were before so i think that is that is kind of changing that mindset but you still have i would say you know the baby boomers um and probably our generation generation x which still kind of have those mindsets and baby boomers as far as i'm concerned have screwed up a lot of things for us uh and and we're going to be the first generation that's going to get. Yeah. Um, but let, I wanted to talk about healthcare, um, which is dear to my heart, as you know, working in it for 15 years um, and the cost of that <laughs> alone and how that's affected preventive. Let's talk about preventive stuff, because I think um, we've talked about if, if you're OK telling the story about your mom, uh and possibly the costs surrounding her situation and what happened with her. Uh, yeah, she just, uh, she died of colon cancer at a fairly early age and she diagnosed when she was 62 lasted two more years before she died. Uh, by the time it was found out, she didn't, you know, she, it wasn't discovered until she started feeling poorly. So she was ill. And of course it was advanced stage by then. <clears throat> so she hadn't, uh, I guess got a colonoscopy a couple of years before she didn't, uh, she didn't feel like paying for it. She was kind of retired at the time. They didn't really have, she was waiting for Medicare and, uh, you know, just didn't, which happens to a lot of people. I think they just, yeah. It do, absolutely does. And, you know, and it's kind of like they don't feel bad. So why, why bother? You know, I feel fine. Well, and it catches up to you because you didn't get the, uh, you know, the scan or the test or the preventive care that you're maybe should be doing. So, and a lot of it dictated by, well, I'm not going to, yeah, I don't, I don't want to pay, pay for that right exactly. now. Exactly. Because it's not covered. It's extravagant. So, right. So it can happen to a lot of people. So. And, it, and it does. 
you know, and it does. And I think that's, you know, people, what people don't understand uh, in care debates, which still fascinate me, is that if the more people that are healthier and that are in a system that does those kinds of things, everyone benefits from it because the costs will go down. Because right. now, then you're not doing. You don't have as many. You don't have as many sick people. Exactly. Seriously, people. And then you're not early. And you're not doing. You're not doing drastic surgeries. Or right. And drastic tests or drastic treatments. Or using hospitals for primary care. Or using hospitals for primary care. Exactly. And I think this is where, and this is an example where we saw that. Because you know how close I was, very close to your mom. She she was a had a huge impact on my life, and since you know, since I was what well, we met when we were when I was twenty, right? And so your parents have always been huge impact on me. So that that was devastating. And you look at this, and you look at the country, and the country that that we grew up in. And it's like I'm sorry, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for something like that. And if we if we push that in this country where more people have access and we're talking about access, really. Right. We're talking about access to primary uh, physicians. The care is good if you can afford it. Right. Exactly. But that's but that's should be the case. And it's not the case in other countries. And, you know, this this kind of myth that our healthcare is the best in the world is, is not true because the outcomes are poor. No, just look at any study. I mean, they're out there. Just any, any random study will show that we're not. Why is our infant mortality so low? I mean, exactly. Which is, I don't, which is another, uh, there was one of the things I think I sent to you a couple of days or maybe yesterday about the infant mortality rate is one of the, is one of the triggers um, or I should say leading indicators that uh, the, the country is moving towards a genocide because of you know, the, what the Trump administration is doing now with immigrants. Uh, that's one of the things that is a leading indicator um, of like one of 15. And, you know, again, the, the not only that, but the uh, maternal deaths, has gone up the last 19 years in the only country that that's gone up. Yeah. What is the reason for that? Definitely need to look at the reasons. What, what that's, that's a negative that shouldn't be happening. And that's scary. And again, it gets back to, it gets back to cost, you know, access and then preventive, preventive care. Right. So primary care access and, and uh, having those tests that are necessary to make sure that, you're healthy and those things are avoided because people don't either have access or they can't afford it. And that should, that should not be happening. And by the way, if it was happening, everyone's costs would go down in this country. Right. Right. And I don't even know why this is even debated. This is the other thing that I I have a really hard time with is, is why are we even debating this in this country? Because it's not even, it's not even something I would sit there. It's like, to me, it's like debating gravity. Um, this is that well, some people do that still too. So, well, that is, that is true, which is part of the issue that we have, right. That you and I, the world, uh, because to, to me, th- this would have such a huge impact and let's talk about cost. 
the number one reason why people uh, declare bankruptcy is because of because of healthcare. Yep, medical costs. Right, so medical costs. So you have cancer, and then you have to, all the treatments that you have to do. And people are going to do whatever they need to do to take care of their family. Remember, we're family. We care about our family. Right. So then we're shocked when someone wants to spend that money. And you're talking about you know, two hundred to 200000 to a million dollars, uh, which is just insane. It's just insane. Um, one of the articles that I read a couple of weeks ago about the percentage of administrative costs that are built into our healthcare and the significant difference between our administrative costs that are built in. Yeah, that's a big part is the non-medical, non-clinical part, which adds to the costs. Which is, which is not even close in uh, in an issue in other countries. Right. Um, And I'm trying to think of one of the comedy shows. I'm not sure if you saw this, they were interviewing when, when we were over for the summit in, in Great Britain, I think, uh, they were interviewing people on the street in London, and they were asking them how much they thought things cost here from a procedure. Right. And they they were just blown away by the the amount of money that it cost to, for these basic procedures that cost them right. you know, near nothing. Right. Well, I think, and I've always, for a while, I've thought we talked about this is the insurance has played a big part of it. Yep. Where now insurance covers everything. So you have good insurance. You're good. If you don't, you're you're screwed. But it wasn't that long ago. It's like in our lifetime. I mean, I remember as a kid. I, I'm sure you do too. Is yep. Listening to your parents, that it, health insurance was not did not used to be what it is now. It you would you would have what was called major medical, which would cover major issues like maternity or pregnancy or hospitalization some major surgery everything else was just pay as you go like to your primary doctor you would just pay the doctor yeah and it cost a lot less yeah people could afford that yeah now when it got built into is some sort of it has to be package. part of employment package yeah. insurance companies you know, they'll do what they do. And well, guess what? Yes, they it's will. And it's kind of a vicious circle. It feeds back, feeds back on itself in a loop. Just, well, this is more expensive. So we got to pay this and this covers this. So this costs more and the premium costs more and the coverage costs more. And so the prices go up. Yep. It's very when it just when it just covered, you would get insurance just to cover major problems like major trauma or pregnancy or whatever. Right. Insurance was less. And then yeah. you could just pay you for a trip to the doctor or a medicine or drugs or vax, whatever it is you needed. Yeah. It wasn't like cost prohibitive. Well, and I think what's well, that? I mean, just look at other insurance. What if car insurance was like that? Your car insurance covers it. You know, if your car is totaled in a wreck or something, it doesn't cover oil changes and brakes and tires. If it did that, how much would it cost? That's a very good it, point. It would be ridiculous. Yeah, that's a very good I point. I mean, it would be ridiculous. I'm not saying car insurance is cheap now. I'm just saying. Yeah, I agree. It's way less than health care because it just is there in case you, you know, total your car or cause somebody else's car major damage. It's not, right. all, it's not all the preventive maintenance. It doesn't cover all that. Yeah, tires. Right. You said, yeah, any, anything, yeah. Any slow cost, you know, it just doesn't cover that. 
something that you're going to do in the lifetime of the car, essentially, right. to maintain to maintain it. Right. I think um, the other thing that I've seen from my experience too is uh, physicians are put into extremely difficult situations because they're going to medical school, and medical school is so expensive that they're coming out with three hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. Right. So it has to be worth their while. So, so they are now pursuing specialties that require them to get paid a certain amount of money to cover right. their cost. Right. Right? To make the because yeah, it's so expensive to become that. And of they course, might they not have, have to make more, right. so it, or nobody would want to do it. So. Exactly, and that's part of why they're also now a shortage because no one wants to be a primary care physician because they can't afford to pay for the cost that they're coming out. I mean, this is NYU. I think it must have been a year and a half ago or two years ago is providing you know the medical school like for free based on certain criteria. I think, but you know, I think that is a big part of it because physicians now we have so many specialists. And now we create this false demand for specialists that we're feeding them in to a process where we don't even need these tests. They're like, oh, give you nine tests. I'm like, okay, well, each test is expensive. You know, right. MRI, right? A CT scan, those are expensive tests. So now we create this false demand that's fed back into the system too. And I understand why physicians do it because they want to be, they want to protect themselves. I completely understand that. And they have to pursue things that they're taking care of their family, but it's all fed back into this uh, big, huge cost that we that that the average user gets gets hit by, and then you make it really difficult. That's why you have this this uh, huge gap in disproportionate care, depending on where you are, where you live. I mean, you could be a mile away from one, a really poor hospital and a really good hospital because of the neighborhood that it's within. So I think that that has a lot to do with it too. And to me, that's really sad. Um, so let's talk about the last one, education um, too, because this is something um, that I've experienced uh, from a college education perspective. You will soon be um, experiencing this. Right. Um, and if you look at if you look at how much our worker compens our you know, our salaries have gone up, and then you look at how much healthcare and education healthcare and education have gone up like six hundred percent. Yeah, that's the thing that just blows my mind. It's like in our own lifetime, from when you know twenty five years, thirty years since we've finished college, it's crazy. Yep. I mean. Yep. You it's have just, state schools that are out of control. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just yeah, all all college, not private, not just private. Yeah. All it's yeah. we're talking about public university. When I'm talking about my issue, I'm talking about public universities, right? right. State right? schools, um, which are are not in line with what someone can afford, and to me, that's the other thing that puts people in huge amounts of debt because now. If you can't afford to pay it, then you're taking out loans, and those loans then are put on a 23-year-old who basically will take 20 years to pay that off, which means now they're not, they're not buying anything. They're not putting money back into the economy. They're not buying a house. They're not buying a car because they can't afford it. Right. Well, and you're told now that you must have at least well, a college degree yeah. to make a livable to get ahead. Yeah, so... and that's the other thing too, by the way. 
Um, It's just, well, if that's really the economy we have, then you ought to be supporting that somehow. I mean, you can't, and by the way, not everyone is cut out probably for college. So you pressure those individuals. Yeah. And don't support them, and then it just causes the problems you mentioned. You're like, well, okay, I've got this degree, I guess, or or even worse, I've gone into debt and have not been able to graduate. So now I have the debt and no degree. So good luck with that. Yes, and and you're absolutely right. You know the the the, the couple things too. First of all, it's it's put upon you because we we create these. You know, organizations always they make me laugh too because they make these jobs out like these great things, right? So when you read a job description, you and I talk about this, this is the greatest thing in the world, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, you give a resume and it's like, well, the resume didn't hit this. It's like, first of all, as soon as I started this job, none of the stuff (laughs) that you put in the job description is accurate. Right. They're always, people talk about inflating uh, resumes. Well, they do the same with the job description. Absolutely. It's like, you you, you need to be like a freaking Rhodes Scholar. Exactly. uh, a uh, rocket science to even rocket science to even you know approach the level of I'm like are you kidding me? Right, and that's part of what you talked about this pressure. It's like, um, yeah, right. Okay, my 17 year old daughter can do this, so let's just calm down, please, with that, right. because they're trying to make themselves something that they're not too. Because I've seen this so many times with organizations. Because you you talked about it, it's like, oh well, I I did this, I kind of added this to my resume and added this. It's like, well. What are you doing with your job description? Now I figure we're even, right? You embellish your job description. I just embellish my resume. Where, let's call it even. Right. Right. And then once you get in there, you're like, this is a joke. Are you kidding me? Like, none of this is even accurate. And it's all because it's like, well, we want to make this out to be something great. And so now you have to have these degrees. Like you said, you have to be a road scholar and be a 4.0 student and be able to talk to in front of a thousand people so you can give presentations. Uh, and then when you meet, once you meet the CEO, you're like, really, have you met the CEO? Because the guy can't even talk to three people. Yeah, so by I, the way, uh, right. Maybe there's part of the problem with the, uh, the CEO pay has kind of outpaced everybody else's pay. Yeah. So let's just, let's, let's just talk about that too. Um, you know, in this education. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is we don't, we don't have this plan B. Like we're, we, we don't put people in positions like not everyone's made out to be college. That's fine. Just like we talked about, it's okay if you don't want kids. So right. where are those vocational schools and putting people into other options that they know that they can be successful in and right. make a living with? And we don't, right. we don't do that in this country either. Because it's like again, if you do, if you don't if you don't go to college, you're a loser, and if you don't if you don't prepare, right. you're a loser. Right, and, it's it's look, a stigma. Not- it's wrong. I mean, and, and yet we have oh well, we got shortage. We don't have enough welders. We don't have enough uh, electricians. Well, yeah, because you stigmatize it. Everything has been been built the one way for big business, by the way, and then uh, which is fine if that's what you want to do. But like we said, not everyone's cut out for that, or not everybody wants to do that. But then you bemoan the fact that we have a shortage in the trades. Right. Well, do you wonder why? And you know, you can't you, know? you can't have it like both ways. Like those they they want it both ways, and it's like it doesn't work that way, right? And we shouldn't be pushing people into things they don't want to do because what it happens is, you look at the misery index, and people are miserable, right? I mean, look at the suicide rate. Yep. Right. 
because people are getting this in this world that doesn't exist. Now, social media uh, and these these uh, these illusions of what you should be looking like and do right. and that all plays a part yeah. all all add to this right it, it doesn't help but to me it's 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 like why don't we talk about other ways other pathways that people have access to that they can be successful in and bring up a family and do whatever they want whether it is a family or not Instead of just saying, well, you can either do this or not. And everyone wants to conform and like shocked. Like, why are you, why aren't you happy? Oh, I I don't know. I can't figure it out. Really? And I think it's uh, this utter pressure, you know, the, the financial thing, you know, we talked about how you afford these education, healthcare, and daycare. And we're talking about the unemployment rate. So let's talk about a teacher. So a teacher Oh, well, the teacher is employed. Well, they also have two other jobs because they're trying to pay for all these things. And by the way, they're buying their own supplies. Right. So they're employed, but that doesn't paint the picture. If you're working three jobs to to make ends meet, uh, that doesn't really solve the issue that we're talking about, does it? Especially a professional person, supposedly. Yes. Oh, and by the way, the um, LSU coach just got an extension for $42 million. Right. Okay. Because he wants well, a lot of it goes back to what we value as a society and evidently what we value as a society is uh, entertainment. So we say we value other things, but just look at the numbers. Yep. Look at the numbers, look at the numbers. And, and you know, he, he, it's a state school, it's Louisiana state. Yep. And he just got an extension. $42 million now. And by the way, most states, your, yeah. your, your highest paid employee is a, is a college coach. He's a coach probably. Yeah. yeah. He's either basketball, depending on the school and, and you know, which is right. if it's a football school or a basketball school. Right. So you could argue and people are going to argue when they hear this, that they bring in a lot of money into the school. Right. right? Yep. And therefore, since they, they create a lot of revenue, they should be paid accordingly. Now, I uh, don't necessarily disagree with that argument. However, it doesn't get back to where college education then is affordable. There has to be some way that that money is fed back into the school so it's not $40,000 a year. Right. That's where they lose me. It's like, how do you not, how do you keep raising, how do you keep raising tuition Yet you still have the money to pay college coaches. Right. You know, our favorite school, uh, Michigan, right? So Harbaugh makes $9 million a year. And I could easily argue that he's a failure. Because if you if you have four losses at Michigan, that's not a success. Well, as we know, it doesn't really – it's not really coming down to wins and losses. It's just how much money you generate. So there you go. So then so a place like Michigan, you know, the fan base and they, they don't care. They just, you know, they say they do, but you know, they'll still buy the hats and the tickets and right. everything else and the yep. TV packages. And they'll just, uh, after a while, they'll get rid of the coach and just pay somebody else a big bunch of money. Which, which I always think is, again, gets back to how hypocritical people are because they'll say one thing, but it's like, really? So college athletics arguably makes is a billion dollar enterprise. Between 
the NCAA tournament and this playoff system now and how much money is generated from an am by the way, amateur athletics, amateur athletics, and how many people are exploited as a result of that. It, to me, I'm sorry. That's a prof- it's one thing. Don't get me started on professional, but let's start with amateur because it does affect the yeah, quasi public education. Quasi pseudo amateur. Quasi exactly. That's that's it's not key. really pseudo. It's I mean it's billion dollar. I mean I think it just gets back to what we you know, what we value as a society. So yeah, and it and it's 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 numbing of the masses, right? I, to me, it's always like what keeping people fat, drunk, and stupid is the key. And sports is a big part of that. It's, it's entertainment. It's, it's entertainment. It's a big part of it. It's like, how do we keep people entertained so they're not looking over here while we're doing this? Don't mind us. Keep watching <laughs> that game. And, you know, we grew up big sports fans. You and I both were big sports fans. I, yeah. As we've gotten older, we – it's can, I can easily say this for both of us – are not as interested in sports because yeah, it's, it's less important. I just, I just don't. It's, it's not even about the games anymore. You know, it's so much other – other stuff so just and you have you have all these things that are fed into it like espn and you have 24-hour news cycle essentially and you have these these shows now where people will sit around and discuss topics and they'll sit there and argue about uh, one of them was you know should brady be pressured um, right. right? Well, yeah, you have to have 24 seven of sports coverage now. So you got to cover stuff other than the games. And, I mean, to me, and you got to cover yeah. them out of season in season. You have to, and to, to justify your existence and people eat it up still for some reason. Yep. I don't Well, and Stephen, we value like $3 million a year too. And he's one of the guys I'm referring to. And in, in the, in the show and where the, he, you know, with Kellerman, they argue back and forth for a half an hour and again, you, you get into this, you're, you're asking me, you might be asking me, why are you talking about this? This might be off topic, but I think it still feeds into everything we're talking about. Because everything that we're talking about um, that we feel are important, which is education, healthcare, and daycare, is not addressed. Nope. It's not addressed. and We, nope. we spend more time arguing over uh, sports and stuff peripheral to the sports and uh, people like... Paris Hilton and the Kardashians yes. that we do about public policy. No one cares. Exactly. I mean, spent half the time, took took other civics half as seriously as you do the NFL, you'd probably have a different society. So absolutely. No one likes to do that. So and and it's absolutely. And you know, the other thing too that I was thinking about this earlier, you know, as we're going through this the whole impeachment process. There was a time, I believe, and maybe I was naive at the time when we were kids, where you agreed that there was a problem, but you might argue on how to solve that problem. So everyone agreed, yes, we have a problem, but we're going to argue on the approach to address that problem. Now we are in a climate that will not even agree if there's a problem. We nope. will argue that there is no problem. People, once I will say, oh, there's no problem. You're over-exaggerating. This is an issue. Uh, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. And then one will say, oh, of course it is. It's, it's look at the data. Look at the scientific facts, like climate change, you know, things things that we would consider scientifically based. Oh, 
Yeah, or simplified, or the, yeah, there's an issue. Yeah, I mean the uh, you know healthcare is high and education's high, daycare and childcare, and this is all bad, and and they'll agree that it's a problem, but it'll be a simplified because the the salute, the problem is caused just by the other guy, right? So that's the easiest. Yeah, it's terrible, and that's because they do it. If yes. we're in charge, we'll fix it. We won't really tell you how. We just right. say we will. Yeah. And that's so it's oversimplified. So, yeah, oh, even when we agree, yeah, well, yeah, there's poverty or whatever it is, healthcare costs, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, and the reason it is is because the evil other guy has been doing this to you for so many years, and we will change that. We won't say how we'll change it, but we will. And that's all anybody ever looks. No one looks any further than that ever. So, and it, and you're, that's, you're that's, just screwed because nothing ever gets changed. And th that's so true. I wanted to add um, one thing that I came across this article. Um, it goes back to pay. If a worker would pay had kept pace with productivity gains since 1960. Oh, right. Yeah, I read this. Today's minimum wage would be $24 an hour. And in right. some world, full-time minimum wage worker would be earning $48,000 in the United States. Yep. If it's all about productivity. And, and even, even if the minimum wage had kept pace with inflation since 1968, it would be close to $12 an hour today. Right. It would be 65% higher than the national minimum wage of $7.25. So that's a problem. It's not even kept up with inflation. So how are, again, how are people going to pay for any of the things that we talked about. Right. If you want a consumer society. Right. You consume. So, I, I mean, it gets, it gets to that. It gets to the, the CEOs making 300% higher than, you know, the average worker. Um, and I can tell you, and you and I both know this uh, because we've experienced it. They, they're not working 300% um, harder or smarter sure. for that. Smart, harder. Okay. Uh, so I don't even want to hear that argument because uh, most of the CEOs that I worked with or worked for, uh, I, I was shocked if they made it into work with, you know, two shoes on. So let's, let's just keep that. Are there brilliant CEOs out there? Absolutely. But don't think for a minute that every CEO is brilliant because they're not. And don't think for a minute that every CEO is worth that. Because they're not right. Well, look at the Wells Fargo. Yes. See, finally, finally, a higher up actually got some punishment. Yes. Yes. For basically ripping people off. I mean, no jail. Let's calm down. I yeah. mean, there's I mean, no jail let's just Baby steps. Baby. Pump steps. the brakes on that. I mean, we can't put the uh, rich white guy in jail. Relax. And it's it's funny because he's going to get fined, and then he's banned from. He's banned. He got fined like seventeen million dollars. Right. And he he is banned from the banking industry for life. That's the heart that we've seen. That's the harsh. Right. I think. I've and it's not like really going to affect him. I mean, he's got plenty. I'm sure he's got plenty of money elsewhere. Of course. And he can go in some other industry. So, I mean, please. Right. And, and those guys, they just, they just swap them. They just move around. So it's, and even if he could write a book, he speaking tours, it doesn't matter. None of that's, is, you know, it's not going to affect him. 
And I think this is part of where we see this in where we have seen this and experience again, this injustice, because that's where blatantly, blatantly committing fraud, dealing money from their customers. Yeah, <laughs> that's Doesn't what matter. he gets. Now, if we went in, if I went into a store and stole a candy bar, I would be prosecuted yep. for yep. shoplifting. Well. And he stole thousands of thousands of dollars from his customers. And he's getting fined and he's banned from the banking industry. And that's it. So think about that. Now, you tell me that if you believe that's justice, then you and I were, will disagree in the future. Not you and I, but right. I mean, who's right. ever out there. Uh, and, I, and I just I really have a hard time with that. And I think that's part of the reason why we are where we are in this country. And I think if people aren't afraid not to be doom and gloom but really to wrap up i mean i don't think any of these things that we've talked about do i see any solutions in the near future if we talk about solutions which we take no because do, nothing really ch- i mean there's to be some great pain involved before people do anything there's right. to be like major death before any like major yes. problems are addressed yes. like you know you airliners yes. have to crash or somebody hit you know what i mean before anything is really done yep. Yes. Go back to the You're Boeing right. fiasco. To I mean, yes. How did that ever get past I mean, the FAA? I mean, how did that get? How did that get greenlighted? Well, and you saw all the emails that came out too of people of, of people that worked in the in the organization yeah, they were saying that this is knew bad. that it was. Yeah. Yes, and it still got yeah. out. So you know the, these again. If you want, if you want to be for capitalism, that's great. But there also has to be accountability. Well, there has to be some check on it. And, and, there has to be some check because you can't get through this. And and 350 people died. And this wasn't like a secret. Nope. Right? I mean, people knew in the organization that this is probably not going to work out. And this is a plane, right? With people in it that's flying in Humans the care about so, care about people, remember, supposedly. And, you know, again, there was a whistleblower. There was a whistleblower in that situation, too. And for whatever reason, like whistleblowers are seen as bad yep. because most of the time these people are bringing something that everyone should yep. not care about. But it's not good for the powers that be, that's for sure. No, it's so not. They, they get that, smeared. So. And, and, I, and I think, I think honestly, because it's not whatever, whatever political affiliation you have, it doesn't even come down to party. It's the establishment. I do believe the only way that this is going to change – is if there is a major, major catastrophe or revolution. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. Because these things are so well-established, uh, institutionalized um, throughout this country that that's the only way, because it's not enough that what we're going through, it's still not enough for people to wake up. And I'm, I, I'm saddened by it because you and I talk about it all the time and we are shocked. We shouldn't be surprised, but I think I'm still shocked that this isn't a wake-up call uh, where people are suffering, um, and they shouldn't be. And we have the ability, because the argument against healthcare, we swing back to that, where oh, you're going to take money away from me to pay for everyone to get healthcare. We're already paying for everyone to get healthcare. Right. It's just it's basically just pissed down the drain through 
um, weight. It just comes Medicare down. Fraud, it's just different ways. Unnecessary tests, administrative costs. We're already paying for everyone to have health care. The money's already there. So and by the way, we have Medicare already. We've had that for a long time. Exactly. And when you talk about taking care of taking that away because it's socialist or whatever, well, that's no, you can't do that. Are you crazy? What do you don't touch that? Yeah. And remember, remember the socialist policy of, let's see, of, hmm, who did we bail out? Uh, major we can bail major out. corporations. It's cool for businesses. It's good. That, that's because that's just, that's just how it is. I mean, we can't have them fail. Otherwise, everything falls apart. Maybe it should fall apart. And I, and that's their big argument, too, about falling apart. But right. you know what? If, if the demand's there, someone's going to pick it up. I don't believe right. that. You, if you believe in supply, uh, supply and demand, if you believe in the capitalism society and then, the principle. Then, then believe in it. Yeah. Then believe in it. Then why are you bailing them out? Well, what happens if Ford goes out of business? Well, guess what? Someone else comes up and replaces them. Yep. So I, I don't I don't buy that argument. And then you you bailed out the banks, you bailed out corporations that have been around for a hundred years. It's like I, I I have a hard time with that when you're arguing against taking care of people. Well, that's socialism. Oh, okay. Well, bailing out you know billions of dollars to the banks, then isn't it right? Yeah, the money's the money's there for certain things. It's just how you want to spend it. It's always there. You know, we talk about this too with uh, the small government. You know, this this party's for small government. Well, no, therefore government. It's just where the government is. It's, it's just what it is. Yeah. What 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 part of the government do you like? What part of the government do you want to spend money on? Because this is where we're going to put our money. But we don't want to help this. But we're going to do this. So that doesn't even exist anymore. And again, I mean, we're not talking about taking money out of people. We're not talking about shaking them down to pay for these things. The money's already there. So I, I, I'd like to see what people can say when, when they are. Because I tell you, when, when people bring up healthcare, especially like social media, I, I am quick to remind them. It's like, first of all, I was in healthcare for 15 years. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand um, where... First of all, where we are with outcomes, number one, and where we are with cost, all of it is avoidable. So don't tell me that we can't take care of people. We can't. We're just not. Do you want to um, say as we wrap up? I think I think I think I think I think I'll, 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 I'll recording for a second. second. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> what did you say? I didn't hear you. I think I fell off the recording for a second. Oh, you did? Yeah. All right. Well, let me let me let me wrap up. Uh, I appreciate it again. I love, as you know, I love talking to you. Uh, We've said, I think we've said this for a long time, that our conversation should have been recorded. Actually, starting twenty years ago, (laughs) people, I think people would have gotten um, a lot out of it and uh, been entertained by it. I mean, at least entertained. Yes, at least entertain because and, and this is a little bit I might be you know being a little bit maybe leaning a little bit egotistical on this, but I, I think we've had great conversations and uh, I've always enjoyed our conversations. They've always bring me back to um, my happy place when I talk to you. So I appreciate that. Right. So let me just talk a little bit um, as we wrap up. I said um, lastly, as long as I can remember, I asked why and how come. And I think this speaks to you as well. Challenging conventional thinking. 
which equips me with a unique vantage point or perspective. I think both of us have challenged conventional thinking. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why we get along so well, because people ask, well, they'll say, well, we can't do this. And we're like, well, why not? Or why won't this work? Have you, have you really thought through it? And I don't think people have. I really don't. So I can help you unlock your organization's potential to implement the right solution. Ask yourself, what are your pain points? Are you willing to do something different? And are you committed to change, which is another important piece. A lot of people say they want to change, but they're not committed to change. Organizations say this all the time. Oh, we'd love to change, but you're not committed to it. And if you're not committed to it, you're not going to change. And personally either, right? People will sit there and look, I want to lose weight. Well, do you or are you committed to it? So what are your customers saying? I think uh, from my point of view, one of the things that I think I do well is I do help organizations pinpoint those issues and those challenges that they're, that they're facing and help them address those with practical solutions. I think that's one of, one of the skill sets that I've developed over the last 20 years. Um, I always like to end the podcast with, with a piece of a song um, from Rush because I think it says and speaks volumes to what you and I believe. And this is from Grand Designs. Uh, so much style without substance. So much stuff without style. It's hard to recognize the real thing. It comes along once in a while. Thank you, Tim. Thanks. Take care. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.